Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Waterlad Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, and if you haven't done so already, please go make sure you hit that subscribe button so that you never miss another episode. It also makes this podcast look like it's got more fans than it probably does, so go do that for me, and it would be very much appreciated. Now, as you'll hear in this episode, the relationship between professional athletes and prescription drugs such as anti-inflammatories is a real concern of the game and in sport in general. And I know there's plenty of players smashing back these to get through trainings each week without really knowing the harm it's doing to them. Thankfully, if that is you, there is now a legal alternative in the form of Pure Sport CBD. It is the most tested and trusted CBD oil in the world. It's approved by WADA, so it is fully safe to take, and it can help you with all your anti-inflammatory needs naturally without the harmful effects. And just for listening to Waterlad, you can get 20% off your order by using the code WATERLAD20 on any of their products, and I'll leave a link in the description below so you can just head straight there. And for all you coffee drinkers out there, I've got another deal for you here with 20% off all the coffee and tea products at Pomeroy's, including the very own Waterlad coffee bean. Now, some say that this is the greatest coffee bean they've ever tasted, and I strongly recommend you give that a go for yourself. You can order online and get it delivered straight to your door, and it's as easy as clicking on the link below, adding the promo code LAD03, and waiting for your order. Anyway, grateful for all these sponsors to continually support the podcast, but let's get to this episode. What a lad. Well, something a little bit different in this special episode, I'm joined by the lad who was just our third guest ever on Waterlad and blew the listeners away with his journey and storytelling ability, which took Waterlad to the top of the charts early doors. And now this time he's joining me basically just for a quick Q&A, since he is the Mayor of Mapua and I'm leaving Mapua this week. Um, it is the great man, Mike Coman. Welcome, Addict. Thanks to me, Marshall. Thanks for having me back on. It's a bit of a uh, bittersweet night, really. Yeah. You're abandoning... Uh, the local Mapua community. I know. So it's, uh, yeah, with our family, we're pretty disappointed to see you go. Mate, we've had a couple of good years out here in the Mapua community. Um, what's your highlights? The highlights? <laughs> oh, you put it straight on me. <laughs> oh, definitely a couple of uh, beer tastings down the Spring and Fern. Oh, yeah. And then having, um, getting through at least 11 or 12 of the wee tasting glasses, trays, yeah, trays yeah, yeah. and then uh, trying to bike home with no lights, <laughs> no street lights, and then, um, oh, and then it's just popped a memory, and when you fell off right in front of me and almost took me out, it was quite a heavy crash. I got a pop tyre, <laughs> Tojo's bike, bloody blew me out, and like I just posted a clip of um, Kieran Fonatier actually biking in the dark, um, same mistake, like he got hit by a car, I um, just went over the curb. But there, you, you crashed into me, didn't you? No, it was a faulty tyre. Tojo, <laughs> Tojo should probably fork out and get a new bike. It's dangerous. Shit, yeah, with his coin in Japan. But anyway, mate, we've gone for pretty much a Q&A this time. Everyone's heard your journey. You've obviously, what a career you had um, on reflection. Oh, some good memories. Hurricanes, um, Edinburgh, London Irish, Hawke's Bay. Mate, you did it all. Canterbury, jeez. Yeah, that was good times, Jimmy, and they're sort of... Uh, I don't think maybe you didn't appreciate it quite at the time when it all went. Now mm. it's all 
finished up, it's sort of uh, you look back at it and you think, man, they were good times and um, yeah, miss it a lot actually. Mm. And, and there's aspects of it I didn't think I enjoyed. Well, nearing the end of my career, like the going to training, having to maul and the contact side of it. Mm. thinking it was the worst day even now what I'd do to, you know, <laughs> just to drive to training get a free breakfast just hook into a massive breakfast some weights and then go out and do some mauling how good would that be <laughs> but yeah you, I miss the physical outlet of it I never thought I would until yeah. it stopped and then uh, it's uh, you just don't I don't have I haven't found golf doesn't quite give you that outlet apart from maybe wanting to snap your clubs over your knee <laughs> it's not quite as satisfying what do you do what is your physical outlet now Oh, you've got to be careful. You don't want instant regret if you damage the clubs. They're not cheap, some of them. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a couple of snapped clubs. Is uh, it? Yeah. Jeez. Accidental snap, seven iron. But no, nothing. Well, I've snapped the wok. The boy, a few of the boy listeners might know from. There's the a question, actually. What happened to the wok? Are we going straight into it? Into no, the wok? No, you, you've gone there, but <laughs> I see that right down the. Is it true he killed the famous wok? That's the oh, question. That's, is that coming? Who, that's coming from a Blair Cowan? Or yes, Blair, Blair Cowan. Yeah. Yeah. So Go tell the well, story. Well, the wok is a as a driver that was in Blair Cowan's bag originally. Oh yeah. And so I think it had been passed through a few of the London Irish boys. And I'm not kidding you. When you hit the ball with this club, it sounded like you were hitting hitting a golf ball with a fr- with a wok, the fry pan. It was just it was just rattled the eardrums. And um it got passed down to me and I sent many a ball out of bounds with the wok. And um <laughs> to the point where I actually took my family were over visiting and we went to a top golf which was like a driving range. Yeah. And it's in quite a confined echoey like shed. And my older brother was just hooking into it with the, with the walk. And the people in the bay beside us were, were complaining. Like, it was deafening on the ears. <laughs> and um, it was quite amusing. So it was a bit of a running joke that the walk was um, in my bag for a while. Yeah. And then until one one day, I was out there with um, one and only Greg Tonks. And I was having a tough day at Fox Hills Golf Course. And I've chunked a chip onto the green, so shanked it effectively. And without thinking, I've walked over to my bag and I've smashed my uh, <laughs> pitching wedge to the front of my bag and then just put it back in the bag and grabbed my putter and probably four-putted for a tidy eight or something. <laughs> and then I've gone to the next tee block to get the trusty walk out. And as I've lifted it out of my bag, it's, it's in two. <laughs> I've just, so when I've smashed my golf bag with the with the pitching wedge, it's hit, my, it's hit the walk flush in the centre of the shaft and just snapped it in two. Oh, rest in peace, the, the walk. So, so you did break the walk. Yeah, so Blair Cowan was never really let me live it down fuming about it <laughs> did you own up or yeah yeah yeah, yeah i've always yeah there was sort of a bit of an awkward period for a while but i think he's moved on <laughs> <laughs> mate that's a good one i like that okay well we may as well go on to the next few questions um obviously a fair bit's changed since you last came on it was what two and a bit years ago now so obviously a big moment in your life is having twins and the, this question here is how have twins changed your life I don't have five minutes to myself to take a dump. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be important for you. Yeah. Uh, That'd be a few times. No, nah, well, it's amazing. Obviously, I'm, I'm. It's awesome having identical twin girls. They're pretty cool. Um, yeah. And, but it's certainly busy between going to work and 
Mm. <laughs> Home life, you don't have a lot of other time to do to do much other stuff. But no, they're going good and they um, love hanging around with their big brother. But um, no, life's been good with them though. It's awesome. Mm. Was it harder than you thought? Um, well, this is a big call and I've talked to you about it before. Yeah. I actually found it harder um, moving back from – London to Nelson with a with Ollie who was probably eight months at the time. Yeah, moving out to Mapua. Um, I'm not sure you hadn't moved out by that stage, mm. and um, it was just a big life change. And Ollie was a terrible sleeper, terrible mm. eater, had every allergy under the sun, <laughs> which we didn't know about. We were just I was just fueling him up with dairy and <laughs> just breaking into a full body rash, wondering why he was miserable. So we actually had found it pretty tough with Ollie for the first sort of 12 to 14 months, wasn't sleeping much. So I actually have found this is, things change all the time and I'm probably going to live to regret this, but I've found the twins um, to be easier than um, having just the one with Ollie. Wow. But, oh, yes, yeah, no, I would say I'll put it out there, that's how I feel probably about it. Mate, that's crazy. Yeah. So it's You've been. cracked twins then, obviously. Like, you've nailed it. <laughs> What's the secret? Like, obviously, there'll probably be a few people listening who have twins or are about to have twins. Well, I de- definitely haven't cracked it. Uh, I, I never thought of being one of those parents that um, put their kid in front of an iPad, but I definitely use the iPad <laughs> to our advantage. Ollie Coman knows how to operate an iPad pretty well at a young age. Um, find yourself a good lady that um, takes care of them well. <laughs> Yeah, so no, I don't have the seat. I don't have the magic bullet, Jimmy. And as you know, things change pretty quickly. Oh, mate, constantly, eh? So I'm sure they'll get, um, they'll become busier and trickier mm-hmm. as time goes on. Yeah, especially what teenagers have you thought about a plan there for a couple of teenage twins? Oh, I try not to think too much about it. <laughs> uh, maybe try to keep a bit of condition on <laughs> <laughs> any bloke that pops around, just being miserable. Look aggressive, <laughs> possibly hold a golf club, just oh, hold, hide the get the walk back. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, I've tried not to think. I've heard girls are are easier until they hit about twelve or thirteen. Girls are easier than yeah. boys until they hit about twelve or thirteen, and then it flips on their head. And mm. so I'm possibly not looking forward to that period. Mate, I could imagine that's going to be full on. But this one sort of goes to the next question. Any parenting advice for new parents? So, well, this is, obviously, yeah, this is. Yeah, well, Laura's going to be listening like this guy's got no idea. <laughs> Whoever's asking this, uh, any parenting advice? Oh wow, could we get, could get deep. Enjoy enjoy every moment because they grow up pretty fast. You yeah. think when you're in the trenches um, at three in the morning trying to get them back to sleep, it feels like um, some pretty long nights and everything. But it, all of a sudden, you. They're 16 months old now, they're not yeah. wee babies, they're running around, so um, time goes pretty fast, but uh, no, enjoy it, try to keep it lighthearted. I think you can yeah. get pretty wound up with them, so mm. <laughs> maybe try have an outlet, and don't be afraid to use the iPad. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, that is good advice, and I um, I mean, you mentioned a little bit earlier around um, the furries, or a new trend which is going on around... Um, kids who are identifying as themselves as animals, which is apparently a new trend. I don't know if it's in New Zealand or around the world, but how would you feel if um, Ollie decided to just be a, a wee cat one day and go to school? <laughs> I'm hoping he's I've got to let the, boy, let the boy shine. If he wants to be a cat, dog, um, it's up to him. I'd probably um, – well, I was talking about this. I was talking to my older brother about this, actually, how he's mm. – there's kids apparently identifying as 
animals, which I thought, which I didn't really believe, but no. I've been a few people have told me it is true. And then my brother said, well, "That's great news. I'm I'm going to be a cat first thing tomorrow. I'm into it." <laughs> <laughs> so is he? Yeah, he's away today, so <laughs> I'll see you come Tuesday. It works. Chasing I'll, birds. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll remind him it's time to be a cat. But um, yeah, you know, Ollie could be whatever, mate. <laughs> mate. Mate, that is crazy. Like, what are your thoughts on it? Agree. I feel, I feel like this could get um, quite big. I'm scared to talk about this stuff these days. You probably know my thoughts about it. I think it's fucking crazy. <laughs> and if he, if Wally identified as an animal, I'd tell him to pull his head in. But that could be quite offensive to some people. <laughs> All the cat listeners out there. Yeah. <laughs> no, okay, next question. Um, why does he spend so much time on the lat pull-down machine? And this is this one's sort of coming a few times. You do have massive lats. You've always had a huge back. Nickname's been Big Back for a long time in your career. Well, I know who these questions would have come from. Uh, it's probably to do with my limited um, golf rotation, probably a bit restricted in the backswing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, and I think the person that's really driven this rumour mill was a guy that was actually the city fitness manager, one David Eaglestar. Oh, it's true. <laughs> I think his question's next. Has his uh, recent yoga attendance um, helped his golf swing or are his lats too huge? Uh, certainly not helped my golf swing. I'm trying some hot yoga though for a mix up. It's yeah. just really. So horny. It's, it's, it's quite different for me. It just really hits home of lack of mobility when I'm in there. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. It's good for me though. I wish I'd. Who else is in the class with you usually? Oh, actually, Dave, actually Dave got me going. Oh, yeah. So, but that's, and to be fair, since he's. He's been away with work a bit lately, so I haven't actually attended much industry work, haven't been able to get there. But another thing in hindsight, if I'd had my time again, Jimmy, I would have worked a bit harder at flexibility. Possibly yep. might not have got injured as much, Mate, I reckon. 100%. And I think yoga, yoga's so underrated, eh? Like, mm. I reckon I actually quite enjoy it. It's good, good mental mm. break too through the day. It's quite good to go and zone out, but it's... um, I, I think the key for what I like about this one is that... um. And I think that's where you go wrong in rugby. Whenever I've tried, whenever I tried to get taken to a yoga class for rugby, yeah, the instructor would just try these outrageous poses, which yeah. you had no chance of getting into, and it was almost sort of to make you look like a mug. Yeah. Whereas the one I've been going to, they sort of can see you really toiling away, getting nowhere near the position they want you to, mm. and they'll throw out some alternatives. Crucial, which, which I have to use. <laughs> <laughs> How is your hammy, by the way? Is that like got full range now? Well, it's got full range, zero strength. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I actually text um, London Irish physio Brian O'Leary, legend of a bloke. I yeah. actually sent him a um, photo of me on the lying leg extension lifting two and a half kgs. Sure, he would have been proud. <laughs> he said, I'm so happy London Irish has spent £86,000 on this <laughs> surgery for you. <laughs> Is that what your no, surgery cost? I don't, cost? don't know. Jeez. He would have been a smart ass. There was a couple, there was a couple in there, I remember, but no, yeah. he was just being a smart ass, I'd imagine, but I did laugh. <laughs> just <laughs> punched all this money and the bloke still can't lift two and a half kgs in his hammy. <laughs> but no, it doesn't, it doesn't really bother me day-to-day life. I wouldn't say I work hard on trying to make it work anymore, Jimmy, but... Yeah. Yeah. It's um, put us away. If you made me go for a run or tried to make me sprint, I don't think I'd go too well. Yeah, but you you can walk around the golf course, all right. I can Main do mo- you can do most things. You run around with the kids, get mm. on the tramp. Exactly. You tramp spring free. <laughs> okay, shout, shout out spring free. <laughs> I just paid full price. <laughs> okay, next question. This one's from your uh, good mate Guzzler at Brody Retallick. What's his favourite three M drink? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, he'd be a good guest to get on, the Guzzler Italic. Oh, yeah. oh, when Brody Italic was a young fella, it, 
and that Hawks Bay, I think, do you know when you're out in the, I think the Mighty Magpies had had a good win, so we were pushing on to having a big night, it might have been, oh, I can't remember, it might have been a loading ramp or one of those, one of the pubs in. Mm, sounds good. Yep. <laughs> and uh, remember back in the day, closing time would always come on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, because Brody had been... Um, like I said, he was a young fellow, and I think we'd been getting him some beers throughout the night or some. No, we'd probably been getting him some, you know, vodka. Um, what do you drink? Red Bull vodkas. Yeah. So just to get things. And then, so we'd been getting, bro- say we'd been giving him Red Bull vodkas all night. 3 a.m. rolls around, closing time comes on. We're chipping him, like, get it, get around and guzzler. Come on. <laughs> it's your time. It's your time. <laughs> I swear he's gone up to the guy at the counter and gone. What's your house beer? What's your tap? What's the cheapest tap beer you've got? And he's just slid up, slid me and Chrissy Eden over at three a.m. Just like a, it's like a spate's old dark. <laughs> just wrap you. You've been on vodka, Red Bull all night, and he just slips over a spate's old dark just to chip away through three a.m. I just looked at him. I was like, <laughs> so from then on, I've just ne- never really let him live it down, and he's, mate. It was, good, it was good stuff from the guzzler. Right, no, that is good stuff. Love that. Love a spate's old dark. Okay, next question. Um, just a quick run through of what John Hardy did to him off the kickoff. That would be good. <laughs> well, only one person knows what John, maybe John Hardy knows. He might have smelt it, but Chris, it's got to have come from one and only Chris Eaton. Chris Eaton, this one is, yes. So we were playing. Um, the Southland Stag, the Stags, the Mighty Stags at McLean Park, and it was opening kickoff on probably a cold Friday night, and <laughs> they were kicking to us, and I, I think it might have been whoever it was, put a good kick, high kickoff up, <laughs> heading towards me. I probably should have got more side on, but I've just taken the big <laughs> open, open armed approach just to look to take the first kickoff, and as I've Taken the catch with both my hands in the air. John Hardy has just hit me full steam ahead in this in the central core, and as he's melted me in the tummy, I've just let out a massive fart and dropped the ball. Knock on. And anyway, it's we're packing down the first scrum, so it's a scrum to Southland because I've knocked it on with. 20 seconds into the game, Chris Eaton was at half back. He's just like, mate, did you just, did you just do a massive fart when he hammered you then? And I just started cracking up. This is 20 seconds of the game. I'm just pissing myself because I've near shit myself because John Hardy's melted me so hard in the tummy. He's just shaking his head. <laughs> <laughs> not good oh that is good that is good oh I love that that John Hardy he did have hard shoulders okay next question is it <laughs> this is good is it true you qualified as one of the top four shaggers in the UK ah the old T4S <laughs> George Robson I, th- I believe you're in that side as well yeah I, I did make it I'm still very unsure how you make it, like yeah. So am I. I think it was just we was on a long bus ride home, and George Robson's just announced at the table with the top four shaggers, Fergus Malcrone, oh, Fergus Malcrone too. Yes. So, um, 
Yes, I can confirm I was in the T4S. I don't know what it means. I don't know how you qualify <laughs> for it. And we did nothing after that um, bus ride. So, yeah. Like he talked it up like it was an exclusive group. I think he actually arranged, did he arrange one meal? <laughs> no, I think we couldn't make it. And it was the end of it. <laughs> I think he sent out an invite to either. It was good from George, but it never sort of took off, did it? Would you claim yourself as a T4S member, to be fair? Like, no. No. Nah. <laughs> 100% no. That's a no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good stuff. Okay, next one. Um, how did the Gunners captain end up serving community service oh. and where? <laughs> wow, that's been kept under the radar for a is long it? time. How is it? You? Yeah. Is it? Oh, wow. Community service. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if I want to let this out. <laughs> okay. No, so yeah, I can tell you the yarn. It's probably quite a good yarn. So it was... Um, I'd been at Edinburgh for one season, mm-hmm. and I'd been partially captaining the team when Greg Laid was away of Scotland. Oh yeah. So then the next, and then Greg after that first season, after that season, he had signed to go to France. So I'd sort of been loosely indicated from Alan Solomon's that he wanted me to uh, captain Edinburgh. So that was sort of I knew that heading away for summer. And anyway, I was um, having a night out and. Edinburgh, and I had a mate, <laughs> Sam Glasson, who came over, and it was whenever Glasson kicked around, not often blowouts would occur, put it that way. Yeah. He's the common denominator of a blowout, <laughs> really. That's the crux of it. And we were out, and we'd probably had, oh, you know, 24 standard beers. <laughs> no, no, that's an exaggeration. <laughs> not, it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> and um, we were, and I can't even remember, basically a scuffle broke out in one of the um, pubs um, caused by Glasson. Yeah. So I've ran over and got involved in it. Did you? Shit. I didn't see you as a scrapper. And then got in a, got in a dust up. And then I had this, anyway, got removed out of the club. Yeah. And then as we were getting, as we were getting removed out, I was, they had, do you know how the bouncers, like one of them pretty much grabs you and the other, there's an, three of them probably grab you and they just shuffle you out. And one, yeah. of them had, one of them had my hands behind my back or someone else and I just was just feeding it to him. I think he was a big fat bastard, so I was just telling him that. And he's yeah. just, he has just leveled me with one square in the nose, like a, man, a good clean shot. So, so I probably I probably took the biggest shot of the night. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I'm too diesel to realise I'm in all, all sorts yeah. and blood pissing out the nose. Cleaned myself up, decided, oh, I'll just head to another pub. Just head to another pub to see the lads. <laughs> so me and another bloke, probably Glasson, <laughs> strutted to another club, another pub around the corner and obviously not even put it, these bouncers all talk right on the yeah, radio. Yeah. I've just, as soon as I got near the pub, someone's just like, mate, you're not coming in. I was like, oh, fine. So I went yeah. back. Then probably, dark, well, very dumb in hindsight, I've walked back around to the main road to, yeah. where, the, to where the original club was. The and big I, guy. And I was walking down the road and I've just seen – and then I've met another old teammate. So he was walk, he just met me on the team. He's like, man, what's happened to your nose? <laughs> I was like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. And uh, then all of a sudden, he's just see this cop just hightailing it towards me. And it's the guy, my mate, who's just just seen me, it's just like he's just arcing up at the cop, like, "Mate, get your hands off me! Get your hands sure, off us! We've yeah. done nothing." And I was like, "So anyway," and I, I learned a hard lesson that night um, that this cop just played the ultimate nice guy with me, and I and because it, it wasn't in my mind, there was nothing in it, right? There'd, yeah. been, a, there'd been a small altercation. We'd pinned the guy up against the wall. It, 
a punch. I'd thrown a punch. It hadn't landed that flush. Yeah. I'd got kicked out. I'd received probably the biggest punch of the night yeah. <laughs> and was heading on my way. Sure. And uh, this cop's like, mate, I know there was nothing in it. So all you're telling me that happened was you saw your mate in an altercation, ran over there, grabbed him by a stroke, got him against the wall and punched him. <laughs> and he's like, and, he, and, I, and I was sort of just dumb. It was like, it didn't yeah. even land that well. Like, <laughs> and it's just not even thinking it's irrelevant whether it was landed flush or not. This guy doesn't care. And he's just like, okay, yeah, um, you're under arrest for assault. True. And just went and just bin and then just put the cut. And I was like, mate, I'll, can't, you don't, and made a scene, put the cuffs on me. I was like, mate, can I not just walk to the car? Oh. And he chucked me in cuffs. In front and got me in for spent the night in the cell. Jeez, and mate, I thought I knew everything about you. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I love a podcast. <laughs> and um, woke up to the big thud of the you know, that's well, you probably didn't, the cell door, yeah, don't know it, but <laughs> <laughs> just with a with a shitter behind my head. I was like, wow, well, and then inst- I was like, oh, fuck, here we go. Right. And he's and I thought, oh, nothing. Once again, I thought this will just blow over, yeah. He goes, um, you've been charged for assault. Yeah. I'm going to take your fingerprints. Um, and I was like, wow, okay. And then I think these guys thought, I think he thought we were like football players, like someone actually gave a shit that I'd been arrested. <laughs> and he's like, you might want to um, let your team uh, manager know before it gets released to me. That's like media. <laughs> no one even knows who I am, mate. <laughs> no one cares if I get arrested. So I, yeah, got my fingerprints done. Couldn't even really recall the incident that well. Sure. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, went back. Glasson was just in my flat living the dream. No, <laughs> no, just cracking up. He was the, the whole incident occurred because of him. I got arrested trying to stand up for him. And um, then, I, then I had to break the news to Solly. Yeah. He was like, look, he was about to just announce that I was going to be captain of Edinburgh, which, okay, it's, it's not an overly big place. So it's probably not going to look great yeah. so, and he's just like man this was South Africa 50, 50 pounds problem solved <laughs> <laughs> um, so then that was um, so were you captain there? Did he yeah still so he still made me captain oh, yeah, and it's yeah. sort of I got a um, got a lawyer reached out to the guy the guy was a tool that I, the guy was um, whinging about his rip shirt and his uh, the, the punch that damaged his nose but the, like I was like show some medical evidence of yeah. this guy you know if something's hit flush or not. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I was like, tell the guy I'll buy him a new shirt or buy him a couple of shirts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, wouldn't let it go. But anyway, I got done with, I think it was 30 hours community service because sure. no, that was the best they could, oh, and, and like a fire, maybe like a 300 pound fine or something like sure. that. And. Um, I wouldn't tell the boys where I was doing my community service. So I knew I knew they'd come down. I knew they'd all try to find where I was. So anyway, it was gritty. On my yeah. day off, I was going down to like a St. Vint, so like a Salvation Army. Yeah. And just chipping away. And they just thought I was like, no matter how nice I was trying to be to the owner, like she was a person that obviously helped people um, that had been in situations like mine. And yeah. Was, um, so she wasn't she thought I was just full of shit and when I was trying to be nice to her she's like look and I was just sweeping out like the Salvation Army store <laughs> and I was tipping away with there was another couple of guys in the back room who wouldn't tell me what they were in for which made like why they because they had to be showing I think they were like out on bail or something oh, yeah. they had to be showing that they were trying to give back to the community oh, yeah. and I was sort of like being pretty open about how mine was a crock of shit this is what I was here for yeah. and I was like what did you do and they're like oh, 
we don't talk about that. And I was like, oh, Jesus, <laughs> we don't talk about it. What if they do? What if I quickly sort of started? So I was like, well, I don't really I won't have too much banter with this guy. <laughs> anyway, eventually, and this is eventually, she, and I told her, like, uh, she's like, what do you do? So like, before this happened, what do you do? And I said, I, I play rugby. And she's like, this guy's delusional. <laughs> he's, in, he's in the Salvation Army. He's telling me he plays rugby for a job. It's, anyway, and I sort of... They're like, yeah, but what else? I was like, I, I play rugby, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> and then just by chance, she was down in the pub one night and she watched an Edinburgh game and she saw me. And next, her whole demeanour changed oh, to me. True, yeah. Just peeking on it. Yeah. And I was like, man, I can get out of this. If I give her some tickets. <laughs> if I give her some free tickets. Anyway, I'm sure no one will ever hear this, but she was like, look, I think you've just had a blowout one night. Um, you don't. I don't reckon you need to keep coming here. Oh, look, I'll sign your hours off. Um, just make sure you don't ever tell anyone, as I'm telling a podcast. <laughs> um, and so I got my th- – I probably served six of my 30 hours. True. And, oh, far out. And it was beautiful. It was so fun. And then, would you believe it, next home game, just see these <laughs> lovely people, fully diesel at the Edinburgh game, <laughs> screaming out for me. I'm like – how is that? And I realise it's this, the boss of the Salvation Army just loving live with their free tickets. <laughs> there he is. That's my boy. <laughs> so, so the only person that, yeah, we kept it pretty well under wraps until oh, I told my family, obviously. Yeah, um, until now. Yeah, no, a lot of a few boys, a couple of boys, I yeah. never knew, but it was good. Now you can look back and laugh at it. No, no real harm was done. Yeah. Mate, that's crazy. Like, what was it like in the cell? Like, were you with someone else or were you just in uh, one by yourself? And it was, you know, well, you know when you get, oh, I shouldn't, when you get that diesel, you just sort of, I got into it, but I was like, oh, well, I'm in bed. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Next thing you know, yeah, yeah. out. And then, you, then when you wake up, you're like, oh, dear. Yeah. I've had a blowout. But yeah. it, it kind of um, rattled me. If I, and then lesson learned. Just knew, if I'd said nothing, um, I got told that from one of my mates, there was no yeah. footage of it. There was no, was it, you know, his word against mine. Yeah. If I'd just said nothing, that you would have, you wouldn't have uh, got into that situation. So mm. even if I know I've done nothing wrong, I'm just going to say nothing to a cop, even now probably. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's probably good advice. Okay. Next one. This one's a little bit different, but tell us about your first time lifting weights in the UK. <laughs> so. You know, well, you know how. So to put it in context, oh, when I was playing rugby in New Zealand, I was probably one hundred and four to five kgs. Yeah, I went over there as a number eight slash six, and there, like you could tell, they're just like, "Wow, this guy's quite small." Yeah, and I walked into the weights room, and weights were massive over there, and it got so much better over time, as you know. But when I first got there, like it, it, there was a lifting records board on the wall that everyone was trying to beat. Yeah, and some of the numbers up there. <laughs> Outrageous, <laughs> and I was just thinking. Anyway, I get taken under the wing by the trainer like your first week there, and he's just like um, straight into the squat rack. <laughs> he had a few issues with my knee, and squatting was never my forte, even when I was fully fit. And um, he's got me in these like right, chuck eighty kegs on the bar. I'm so fine, it's like get get ten out, ten reps out, eighty kegs, and he's like. I don't take another, get up to 100. I was like, yeah, it's fine. It's like, get in there. He goes, get another 10 out. Fucking 10. (laughs) Get in there. He's like, right, starting set, what, 140? I'm like, what reps are you doing? He's like, eights. And I was like, oh, shit, okay. Gets in there. (laughs) 
I'm just in the squat rack. Just, he's, he's set the, the bar up so you know how to get to a certain depth. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just at full shake. <laughs> full, full shake mode straight off the bat. First rep. <laughs> no. So I must and he's just thinking, man, like this guy, this guy can't be for real. Must be a bit of jet lag or something. <laughs> and then he's, try, then he's tried to bump me to like 155 or something for eight. And I've just got to about four. I'm <laughs> like in full shakedown. Like, and I didn't want to say I can't do it. Just, just, just the legs just buckled on me, <laughs> and it was just like silence, just disgust, not even banter. <laughs> what well, was it? One fifty-five. That's not too bad. Like, that's well, pretty, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, for me, for me, that was an MX out. <laughs> He wants me to rip out eight. <laughs> I could do like I was, I was thinking. If he said, if he said, mate, get one or two out, I'd be like, yeah, yeah. I should, I should be able to manage this. But so, so I've got. But instead of just being like, being up front, like, mate, I have never. <laughs> I'm just I'm just seeing these numbers on the board and he's what he's like treating me like a, I'll do it. Yeah. I'm just like, maybe wait mindset. Maybe weights will feel easier in Scotland. And I'm just just the legs are just capitulating and it sort of ruined my whole session after that because you just tapped out. Yeah, so yeah, no, I'm not scoffing at one hundred and fifty five yeah, gigs. No, mate, that's pretty decent. Like, I've had a couple of um people talk about their weight first weight experiences and one fifty five, that's good. Happy with that. <laughs> we didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> Got the shake on. Okay, next one. Gets Coman. How did you cope as the oldest looking early twenties rugby player in New Zealand rugby history? <laughs> that's a fair comment. <laughs> Um, Benjamin, I reckon I'm getting youthful with it as I get older, possibly. Benjamin Button. Yeah, Benjamin Button, <laughs> I'm going to run with. Um, You're yeah. probably one of those guys who haven't really aged in the last, you know, 10 years, really. Well, the receipt has certainly come through strong, but. Um, I always felt like you had that, or no? Nah. No, well, that's that definitely pulling back, but yeah, yeah I'll blame head, head tape if we did me no favours. You reckon? No, it's a big call. <laughs> it's a huge it's call. A huge Don't you wear it around your ears? Can we eat it? Eat it there. Eat it there. <laughs> no, your head tape goes across the front there. Oh, does it? So it goes, yeah, yeah, it did. It ripped out the front. That's why I'm bored. <laughs> Not because I'm boarding. Um, uh, yeah, so no, as you probably know, you've always, as you alerted to in the first podcast, I did probably look quite old from a young age. Yeah. And it was quite beneficial when you're. Early getting into captaincy roles, just Nelson Club, <laughs> Nelson Clubs, just a youthful age, captain uh, at twenty one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so well, I don't really know how to. Yeah, I, yeah how did I handle it? Well, I got through it, didn't I? Yeah, mate, you did just well. look just look old as shit. That's it, mate. You, you well, I kind of looked that old because I was developing at the Hurricanes for a long time. So they obviously <laughs> thought I had a lot of development left in me. That's true. Yeah. You're in the academy there for about yeah, six years. I was, so, yeah. 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 That's a good, good point. Okay, next one. Does he recall Doc Noakes giving him paracetamol after tearing his hamstring off the bone in Cardiff? Oh, I certainly do. No, <laughs> you bet. probably recall that oh, too. Oh, mate, I do. And I, I think we spoke about this in your first episode, but, mate, that, that, that was a painful experience for you, eh? Yeah, yeah, it was. Even, yeah, looking back at it, it was a, a bit of a shit show, really, wasn't yeah. it? And the, I think the biggest thing for Noakes, he was um, – he had his Uber waiting it when we got that was that was when I really felt alone, right? Yeah. When, you, when you when you're seeking some reassurance yeah. and the Uber's waiting, I've got to go. Sorry, mate. Yeah, um, it's up to you. But that was a frustrating bus ride when I just wanted any form of painkiller, and I was getting 
some pretty average stuff. Yeah, because I couldn't. I didn't want to over. Didn't want to take too many Panadols in between, <laughs> be, between four hours. Or something. I was like, mate, a couple of you. I've been loading up in Diclofenac my whole career, and an awful drug. I'm sure a couple of Panadols are not going to hurt me. Yeah, speaking of your, because you were a big um, anti-inflammatory sort of guy, eh? Like, if only pure sport was around, hey? Yeah, talk me, talk me through that. Like, what was your sort of side effects from having so many? Yeah, like I was, I was took a lot of anti-flams from my career, especially early on, eh? Yeah. And um, it was through lack of knowledge, I reckon. The doctors were giving, get, would give it to you, and when you're young and you want to keep playing rugby, you just keep taking them, right? Mm. No matter what the side effects were. So I won't bore you with the detail of that, but I had a decent knee injury and it was never repaired correctly. And I was just pumping, I mean, my first few years at ITM Cup, I was just pumping those diclofenacs, those shitty anti-flams in there to the point where I wouldn't, um, you'd play a game and then you wouldn't better go out after the game. Yeah. Sure. Don't turn, don't too much detail. You couldn't get off the toilet, right? Yeah, and you feel awful. You couldn't go out for a few beers because you just and your tummy was just in all sorts. True. And um, I just thought, you know, it's sort of part of it. I was playing, and I was probably playing okay. So you're like, oh, I just got to keep doing this. So, yeah. So I would barely you'd be struggling away on the Sunday, and then you'd give yourself like Sunday off of nothing, mm-hmm. just graft mm-hmm. through, feeling like crap through travel, <laughs> and then. Then to train on Monday, I'd just start loading again on Sunday night and then some sort of Sunday, Monday night, button off again Tuesday yeah. and then uh, get you through then probably try not to take any until Friday before the game <laughs> and then yeah. go for it again. And then I um, I just sort of became normal and um, I think it probably didn't help of where I was in my career in terms of I reckon if I'd – I just got keep getting them provided to me, and yeah. when I complained about my tummy, they just found a new, um, a new anti-flam in Wellington, which would help um, counteract the, what it was doing to my tummy. But I had to pay for it myself because it wasn't government funded. <laughs> Instead of actually looking into my knee and why I was taking them so much, yeah, um, that was the the band aid. That was the solution. True. And I got a funny feeling if I was a um, key member in one of the squads you probably might have got it looked at a bit harder possibly yeah so anyway um yeah i, I was pretty um as a, the more i've stepped back from it, the probably more annoyed i get about it because yeah. I, I didn't realize how bad it was until i moved away until i went to scotland and i was doing my medical and my, i had a peg leg basically yeah. <laughs> leg with no mass on it because uh, it could it wasn't working properly really and uh and this guy, and he was looking me over, and he's just like, "Mate, what's going on with your left quad?" <laughs> and I was like, "No, nothing. It's fine. It's just want, <laughs> just want to get my, just want my contract Check it off. Yeah, it's, it's fine. Honestly, I've been playing with it for years. Don't worry about it. It's always been like that." And he was doing all these tests. He's like, "Man, you're pretty weak." And I was like, "Yeah, it's fine. I can. Doesn't bother me when I'm playing." Yeah. He's like, "Okay, yeah, all right, um, all right. And any on any medication?" And I was like, "Oh, if I could just get some anti-flams for the year." <laughs> he's like, "He's like, sorry, what?" <laughs> I said, oh, some anti-flams. So I, I just need them to get for trainings and um, I'll take them before the game as well. He's like, mate, I'm not giving you anti-flams for the year. That's crazy. Yeah. And I was like sort of blown away. I was like, oh, how am I thinking? How the fuck am I going to train them? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, mate, we need to look at this. We'll get through the end. So I arrived halfway through a season. So he's yeah. like, we'll get through to the end of the season. I'll help you out with some. But he's like, we're not going to keep providing these. We need to find out what's going on. And yeah. Sure enough, he – um. He gave me he they cut my knee open and found I had an infection all through my knee, oh. and um, was probably felt like sixty percent better after that, and probably took half the amount of anti-flams I took, but 
back to your original question, what I think about them, they're probably pretty dangerous, I'd say. And <laughs> you're going off that, yeah. And if you could find any alternatives, like um, pure sport, yeah, pure sport. I haven't even tried it myself yet, yeah. but um, yeah, I, I don't like them. Put it that way. Yeah. I think, and whenever I hear of people taking them now and sort of not making a big deal out of them, yeah. I kind of like, man, like. If you take them enough, still yeah. some, something it does something to you that's not good. All yeah. that's all I know, right? Yeah. And I don't know the lot if there's long term effects. I feel fine now, but it's yeah. a, it wasn't good at the time, eh? Mate, and you still see it all the time. Like guys, I think the doctors have got better than they were yeah. back in yep. the day, but now the players are constantly complaining about the doctor not giving them these anti-inflammatories, which, like yep. you say, they they need to really for the players' health. Yeah, and that's it. And I think. Um, yeah, like I'm not blaming him. It was just yeah. it was sort of what you knew, like anything back then. But I just think um, if you're pumping them in that much, there's probably something. There's probably an underlying issue, right? Yeah. And you probably need to get to the bottom. I mean, they they're a they're a short term solution, yeah. not something you ask for a season subscription of <laughs> to um, just keep functioning, right? And uh, yeah, so just forever. Put it this way, I don't put it this way. I try to avoid them like anything now. Yeah, I'm going away for. A, Few days, <laughs> few days golf or something when I'm just trying not to hit a hundred. Super just, important, yeah, yeah, something really important like me not hitting, not losing fourteen balls at some golf course. Yeah. Okay, well that was a that was a good question and a bit of a detour from the old uh, paracetamol question. But next question, uh, thoughts on concussion and rugby? This might go down that same sort of alley with the anti-inflammatories. Yeah, you could take I'll, this I've got it. Yeah, you could. I sort of, I've got an uneducated view on it. And I did you suffer many? Yeah, yeah, a few. Yes, uh, yeah. I think like any probably forward, they know more than probably a lot of people. But yeah. I think everyone's, everyone has their bad run of it at some point. I think especially forwards in particular, right? Yeah. Um, and I feel like once you get a, they all seem to hit it once, right? Guys get bad runs of them because they probably don't give themselves enough time to recover mm. and they feel the pressure possibly of getting back to play. But, man, like it's um, it's come on leaps and bounds, right, the care that guys get now. Mm. Um, I think I've got to take responsibility too. Like I think I knew probably at times where you weren't right but you'd go and play because yeah. you felt like you needed to and actually when you look back at it, no one cared if you didn't play that yeah. game. That game against so-and-so down in the backfield, <laughs> that means everything to you. But At um, the time, eh? Yeah. yeah, but that's it. Like you, like you wanted – that was part of rugby too. You had to, like it's easy to say that, but you had some. You had to take your opportunities sometimes. Yeah. And if you hadn't, it could have been all over. Yeah. Um, some guys have the luxury of possibly sitting some out, and some guys probably needed to keep keep trying to play. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I suppose in terms of how I was looked after when I had concussion, I um, I was always well looked after, and that's probably all that you could ask for. Right. Every yeah. time, I never felt like I was forced back to play. Um, they always. I felt had my best interest at heart. It's mm. just probably if anyone made dumb decisions, it was probably me convincing convincing myself. Yeah, I was all good, um, thinking I needed to play. So um, yeah, you'd feel for those guys that are having issues. It's pretty scary because yeah. I remember when whenever I've had issues with them, it's a pretty awful space to be in. And if it's ongoing for mm. your the rest of your life, or dementia's kicking mm. in, or mm. something, it's pretty uh awful place to be for them eh yeah do you feel like you're fully sweet now like no side issues from it <laughs> <laughs> well it depends who you're talking to no I feel like I'm fine I don't think I have any issues mate yeah, yeah. maybe sometimes I question my memory but that's possibly just my memory <laughs> yeah <laughs> so what do you compare it to eh? yeah. like people yeah. ask me that all the time I'm like well 
I don't really know anything else. I'm guessing I'm normal. <laughs> let's, let's run with that theory. I know at work, I definitely, I definitely prefer to write everything down. Yeah, it's possibly someone like my brother who will rely on his recall. Eh? Joe, so your memory's shot. <laughs> so yeah, I've got a lot of issues. Okay, next question. Uh, what is your longest recorded fart? <laughs> also has two minutes forty two seconds as the world record from Bernard Clemens. Reckons you might go close. <laughs> two minutes 42 is a decent is. length. But you have done a massive one. Was that at London Irish? Or you, it must have been it impressive. Was like I Step can't Brothers. Remember. I remember nah. everyone was claiming it was like the Step Brothers scene. <laughs> <laughs> this is a massive call. I don't reckon it was me. False, nah. <laughs> false accusation. I didn't really, I didn't break wind much. You, you've Irish. already spoken about Doing it after a John Hardy tackle, but you were maybe serial maybe, trumpet pants. Maybe those anti flames was coming back to haunt me all these years later. Even though I'd butted off an of Irish, that was one of the side effects. And protein, though, eh? Like you were a massive protein taker, protein pancakes. You would take everything. No, no, that's a. Well, Definitely didn't show it if I was a big protein taker. <laughs> I wasn't running a good carcass, just to hold weight, maybe just just around the love handle area. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I can't imagine protein helps. Um, Have you noticed it since you went playing? Like it butting off? No, like way less way less gassy since you were playing. Yeah, probably just don't eat as much, right? Yeah. But I was never that gassy anyway. So. <laughs> Everyone knew you as the fart monster. But- <laughs> Do you reckon you went close to two minutes? Because no, 242 is a world record. That's outstanding. Whoever's done that. Imagine <laughs> listening to that firsthand. That you'd, I think I'd be like, call me immature, but toilet humor still gets me. I would be in hysterics if I heard something going for two minutes 40. <laughs> I'm questioning how they recorded that. Like, <laughs> surely. Maybe it, was, maybe it was longer. Someone just it started was growing. it. Maybe someone, maybe someone was like, man, he's 30 seconds in. Someone record this. Maybe it was like three minutes. This could be a PB. Yeah. Yeah. Did sounded- you ever record one? Not thinking like, <laughs> this could <Are> be you? <laughs> Mate, like. Like your farts were always something pretty special. You're accusing the wrong brother, I'm telling you. You reckon? The original big bag. The he cat. Had, he had the, <laughs> the, <laughs> the big British blue cat, Ben Coleman. He had some real issues. Oh, I could imagine. Okay, we'll go to the next one. Oh, this is one. This one's quite deep, and this is quite a strange one, but what do you think happens when you die? Wow, that yeah. is, man, I surely don't know. Person that's asked that. No, you won't guess this one, but I don't know him either. I've no idea. I guess I'll find out when that happens, right? I'd like to think you go somewhere nice. Yeah, what would your guess be if you had to put your life on it? Where would you go? A cattery. (laughs) (laughs) Come back as a cat. Do you reckon you come back as an animal? Some people reckon. Yeah, some people reckon that. No, I don't know. I was raised Catholic. Yeah, I probably don't have an answer for you, but I actually genuinely don't know, really. Yeah. I think oh, I've got a funny once you possibly, once you did, you did. Yeah, just gone. Mm. Oh. Unfortunately. Yeah. Don't know. That's a hard one. That is a tough question. Great question, but tough. Okay, next one. Um, was the work do at the Atom Bathhouse the weirdest thing you've been on? 
hundred percent used. <laughs> what was it? It was, it was it's the thing that's believed it was an old vintage establishment in Christchurch called a Tummy Bathhouse, I think. Yeah. Oh, which tummy, was yeah. uh, which was I was a young I was doing some uh, I was a builder's labourer, just helping out when I when I moved to Christchurch and I must have been eighteen at the time and we got we got asked to go to the work function, which was nice of the lads, mm. and it was it. They gave us the address, told us it was effectively a bit of a um, strip joint and, and potentially more. But <laughs> and anyway, apparently it was BYO, yeah, um, kicking off at twelve. Don't be late. So you know, I was in like rugby mindset, like a court session. You do not want to be late to yeah. this thing. <laughs> yeah, fifteen minutes early. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're fifteen minutes early, you're late. <laughs> So I'm there, and I'm young, no cash, so I've just bought large. I've got like a 24 box ready to attack the day. And I'm waiting outside with another mate, and we've got there. It doesn't open. This is a stitch-up. They know it doesn't start till 12.30, and the doors don't open. So we're standing outside this crook establishment on quite a busy street, waiting for the 12.30 show to kick off. And people that are on, people know exactly what's happened. I'm standing outside with a 24 box of people in their cars are driving past, just <laughs> abusing us. You sick units. <laughs> good stitch up from the boys. That is good. But it was good when you went in. Ozzy, how do you say it, Ozzy? I was young and my eyes were my eyes were open, put it that way. Jeez. <laughs> so there's some interesting individuals out there. Uh, I bet. Okay, next one. Um, this one's about your Zero X Factor yarn. I know you told one about um, Solomon uh, at your time at Edinburgh yeah, on the first episode. If you haven't listened to the first episode, by the way, make sure you go back and listen to the Mike Coman episode. It's one of the greats, as you're probably hearing here. He can tell a story. But this one they want to know about the Rob Penny um, zero X Factor yarn. It's pretty disappointing. These numerous uh, X Factor <laughs> discussions about me eh? with, with, with coaches. That when that is when you know you're a real like, struggler. So yeah, I got. I actually, I almost forgot this yarn. It's, it was when in my early days for Canterbury. So I just made. Or I was just made Canterbury, or I was trying to get a bit of a foothold into the Canterbury squad, trying to get myself established. And yeah. Rob Penny was the coach at the time. And to speak frankly, I don't think Rob Penny ever rated me, never saw me as his style of number eight, I'd imagine. Yeah. And uh, his reason for, like, like as you realise as you get older, he had an opinion of what a number eight should be, and I certainly didn't fit that mould, <laughs> I'd say. He wanted razzle-dazzle, and I was not providing it at yeah. any level. And... Um, he called me in for a meeting one day, and he <clears throat> he was sort of trying to have the old um, what's the old uh, positive sandwiches at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so opens it up by um, just talking about how great what a the work rate, the grafting, it's um, you know you're tackling it's brilliant, second to none. You know, yeah. gives you the big pump ups. You're like, oh, this is going quite well. He's like, but we need more than that. You need to. We need more than um, work rate. Um, Basically saying, I need some X feed, I need some offloads, <laughs> I need some, more than half a meter gained on the carry, um, which is fair enough. And uh, he goes to me, he just put me on the spot. He goes, <laughs> bearing in mind I was young and in my first year at senior rugby, my first or second year at senior rugby in Christchurch. He goes, in your opinion, so you, the form players at club rugby around Christchurch, you know, what are the guys? Who are the guys you're thinking? <laughs> I just instantly go. To, <laughs> Got, I think it was his name, Tony Ward. 
who was Tony Ward was not the Hurricanes manager. No, not, yeah. not the Hurricanes manager, oh, Tony Ward. Classic fullback. <laughs> um, no, this guy had a lot of bottle. <laughs> um, and and I think Tony Ward was the ultimate battler, <laughs> the, the, the exact guy Rob Penny would hate. And I'm just thinking, I'm just young, and I'm like, I'm like, love this guy Wardy at my club yeah. team. He just smashes people. He's probably only hundred gigs yeah. at best, and, yeah. he's, and he's like, he just goes to work through the week and just <laughs> just fronts up every Saturday and tries to melt blokes. Yeah. And then you could tell, and Penny just like. You've just named an absolute, the exact type of bloke that I'm not after. And that's the guy you're thinking is the form bloke. The one guy I've never picked ever. <laughs> the, one, the one guy you're loving at club rugby right now. That's him. Um, Kieran Reid was probably playing some club rugby. <laughs> yeah, and I, just sort of, and I just remember walking out of that meeting and I told one of the boys and she's like, man, I've just absolutely. <laughs> but hey, you can't help who you like, yeah, right? I, I, I respected Wardy, loved him. He had a massive ticket. Yeah, so you moved to Hawks Bay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think after that I got a couple of, he had to pick me about three injuries. <laughs> oh, that is a good one. Okay, two more questions. We're running out of time here, but next one, if you could live forever, would you? Yeah. <laughs> would you? Yeah. I reckon I would. Yeah, well, especially if I've just told you I think there's nothing after it ends. Yeah. Why would you not? Life's, life's good, mate. Would it be weird once, like, your kids and start dying? Do I go really old, though? Do I become nah. like. Or I, you get to choose. Or you just. You get to stop at one age. But that'd be quite weird, won't you reckon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be quite weird. Yeah. But I think I still. Yeah. In like 500 years when you're still living, going to Cayman Constructions. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could mix it up though. I just go. I just that's get. Out, I just get out and about. I just yeah. live all over the world. Yeah, that's true. Just really get out there. So you'd do that once your kids had got to like ninety and sort of be, passed on. Yeah, you'd like to think that I'd have your grandkids. <laughs> yeah, kids true. So you've constantly you've, got family, mate. You're you're just the, you're just the rock. <laughs> you're the pillar. That literally the pillar that's never going anywhere. But then you're travelling though, kind of. <laughs> Yeah, but I'll just <laughs> take them with Imagine you. the technology by then. Oh, man. man. It could be next level. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Last question. Last question for you, Addict. Uh, best piece of advice you have for a Waterland listener? Like, we've oh. been asking this for, I don't know, probably two seasons now, but I don't think we got you on it. Well, you've had a lot of guests in your time. Yeah. Jim. How many guests have you had, do you reckon? Mate, it'd be up to about probably 160-odd. And I reckon when I've listened to a lot, I've listened to a lot of them. There's some pretty good advice, and it's all been pretty well covered. But if you're talking to young rugby players, what held me back, I reckon, in my career, me and you have talked about it before, mm. is like that um, the fear of failure. I think, yeah, and I think that was a um, a big factor in my career. You you prided yourself on sort of trying or not making mistakes, and then all of a sudden, but then you don't try anything and nothing. Yeah. You know, you get through a game, and instead of making a line break or trying things or doing something pretty special, you'd, you'd come out of the game thinking, oh, um, great, I made no mistakes. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't, it's, um, I don't know, I think if I just, if I have my time again, the, the, and a lot of young guys don't have that issue anymore. I think they come and they're willing to have a crack and yeah. try anything. But um, And that's great. I think the environment allows for that. But I think um, it was something that held me back quite a lot of my rugby and even you probably identified it when we played together. You could... You could have a good game, and the first thing I'd talk about to you would be the, a mistake I'd yeah, made. One mistake, yeah. That no one actually cares about, but yeah. in my own head, it's just 
uh, sort of eats away at you, yeah. right? And when I was younger, that was all I worried about was um, wouldn't push myself and drills i'd get i'd just basically get to a spot where i was comfortable and not to make a mistake so i'd get through training anything good i haven't haven't done anything wrong i didn't make a dick of myself yeah whereas that's the complete opposite of probably what you should be you should be out there trying everything and if you make that's the place to make mistakes yeah. right yeah and i always remember a guy um i always remember Brody Hallett coming to hawks bay and taking kickoffs is one of the hardest jobs and hardest things to do in rugby in my opinion taking yeah. those kickoffs and i used to hate we have to finish training with them yeah and I, was in, and I was at Hawke's Bay, and if I could get one or two, I was just out of there, thank you. I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, thank God, that is over. Yeah. And I remember Brody telling he first moved there, couldn't catch a cold. I'm sure he wouldn't, I mean, one of the greatest all-backs ever, so he doesn't care what I say. Yeah. He was missing everywhere. And I, and I saw, and, I was like, and it was sort of, he would just stay out there until he couldn't see it was pitch black right and he'd yeah. just keep and next thing you know within three weeks I swear he was just plucking them in from everywhere yeah. eh? and I just wish I had that ability to not to care what anyone was thinking yeah. and just um, push myself at trainings and I think it would have flowed into games so right. I think um, just when you when you're young growing up and when you've got opportunities don't worry about making mistakes mm. with, and I think it's, it'll put you in good stead right you could have been the all black lot <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could have been. If I just stayed out there with Brody, mate, well, who knows? Fucking <laughs> out Because that's all, yeah, that's all it is, right? Taking line outs, yeah, nothing else. Kickoffs. Yeah, kickoffs, sorry, yeah. Oh, mate. Nah, well, bloody hell, how good was that? That was one of the great podcasts. Uh, came around for a, what I thought was going to be a quick Q&A and it turned out to be probably one of the greats. Found out that you've been to jail, you want to live forever. Um, some priceless code and parenting advice that had... Had a bit of everything that one, mate. So, um, really appreciate you coming coming back on, coming back on the podcast. Um, you are one hell of a lad. Thanks for having me back on. You're a lad. What